It's good to be with you tonight, and I am glad that, uh, that we have a good audience tonight to study this subject. Uh, who am I? Uh, might seem to be a, a different kind of a subject, but it's important that we understand who we are. Um, one, of the, one of the main objectives when we take the Lord's Supper on Sundays is to examine ourselves, and, and basically we're asking the question, who am I? H have you ever wondered why you uh, say the things that you do, why you think uh, the things that you think? Why is that? Well, we're going to answer those questions as we answer the overall question of, of who am I? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes these words, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have been made in the image of God. And when we think of God, many times we think of, of, of strictly the Father, but a, a more actual, a more literal definition of God is the God family, the, the three-in-one trinity, uh, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You and I being made in his image are also three-in-one beings. We are made up of the body and the spirit and the soul. And so when we take on the image of God, we want to be like him. We want to take on his characteristics. It's important to understand who we are as far as our makeup uh, would, would, would concern. And so when we think of the body, we think of the five senses, uh, seeing and hearing and smelling, tasting and, and feeling, touching. And the Bible calls that the body or the flesh. Uh, in the book of Romans, this is done quite often. Many times, though, in the book of Romans, Paul is contrasting systems. When he talks about the flesh, he's talking about the old law. When he's talking about the spirit, he's talking about the new law. But sometimes he's talking about our, our makeup. And when we, we talk about the flesh, we want to keep those five senses in, in mind. And basically, we relate to each other through the flesh. Um, when I came online tonight, I saw a picture of Jonathan. I saw his face, and I related, and I could say, oh, that's, that's Jonathan Jenkins, because I would primarily relate to him through the flesh, and we do that. When we see each other, we hear each other, then a name we attach to that, and we relate to each other through the flesh, and most people do that. But in Christianity, we want to relate to each other more than just through the flesh. In fact, we are primarily spirit beings. And when we, when we study the New Testament, the word spirit is generally used in two ways. It's either referring to God's Holy Spirit or our own personal spirits. And when we think of the role of the Holy Spirit in the Godhood or in the God family, sometimes called the Godhead, we, we think of uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we think of the role of the Holy Spirit was the mind of the God family. That was his role. Uh, do you recall uh, before Jesus left the earth, he told the apostles that he was going to send the Comforter. And the Comforter was going to do three things for the apostles. He was going to guide them into all truth. Notice the correlation with the mind. 
he was going to uh, show them things to come. They'd be able to prophesy. Uh, they were going to be able to do those things without having studied anything, and God was going to do that in a miraculous way for them. And the, the idea there is that the Holy Spirit was going to allow the apostles to reveal through their preaching and their writing the mind of God, the holy mind of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And most of the time, when you see the word spirit in the Bible, you can just correlate that with the mind. And so it is with our own human spirits. In the eighth chapter of Romans, remember when uh, our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit, then we can know that we're a child of God. Well, how do we do that? We do that through our mind, through the mind of God. And that's what the role of the Holy Spirit has been since, uh, since the beginning, was to reveal the mind of God. Uh, he did that in an instantaneous, miraculous way through the apostles, and uh, those upon whom the apostles would lay hands would, would have access to at least that gift, and now the mind of God, the mind of spirit, of the spirit is related to us through the word of God, and it's to that degree that the spirit can dwell within us, and it's to that degree that our minds can bear witness with the mind of the spirit that we are children of God. I want us to look, uh, speaking of the book of, of Romans, I want us to look at chapter 8 and begin, uh, begin with me to read verse 13. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die, speaking of the fleshly body. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You know, there is a doctrine that is taught in the religious world been taught for a while now, and we may commonly know it as once saved, always saved. And the idea comes from this idea that no matter what I do in the body, that doesn't have much effect on the soul or the destiny of the soul. Well, here Paul says that as Christians, we mortify or put to death the deeds of the flesh, so then we can live through the Spirit through the mind of the spirit. And those mortify the deeds of the body. And if that happens, the text says here, we shall live. In verse 14, for as many of you as are led by the mind or the spirit of God, then they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit or mind of adoption or of bondage again to fear, but you've received the mind or spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, for a very close and tender relationship with God. The Spirit, the holy mind of God itself, or literally himself, this is a person, and when we talk about the mind, we're talking about the Spirit personified that way. The Spirit himself bears witness with our minds, our spirits, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs, with Christ. What a wonderful thought that is, to be a joint heir of Jesus Christ. No doubt this is part of the eternal relegation that happened when Jesus died on the cross, and a blessing that will be ours even through eternity. If, this is all conditional, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 
So here we see our minds bearing witness with the Holy Spirit's mind that we are the sons of God. So that's a second part of our being, the flesh being the first, and then the spirit. Now, when we think about how God um, relates to us and how we relate to God, we don't do that through the flesh primarily. Uh, no man, we don't see God. We don't hear God speak to us as you're hearing my voice speak. We don't touch God. Remember, uh, Thomas had an issue with that. Uh, we, we often refer to him as doubting Thomas. He said, listen, unless I can put my hands in the prints uh, of his hands and in his side, I will not believe. You see, Thomas needed to relate to the Lord physically instead of spiritually the way the Lord wanted him to. And you remember what Jesus told Thomas when Jesus uh, obliged and allowed Thomas to touch the prints of his hands and, and in his side? He says, Thomas, because you have seen, because you have experienced me through the empirical senses, you've believed. But he said this, and this is very important. More blessed are those who have what? Not experienced me through the flesh. They didn't have to touch, see, and, and what too many religious people need today before they believe. They need to see a miracle. They need to hear the very voice of God. They need to see him in some kind of vision, or just like Thomas, they won't believe. But who are those that are more blessed? Those that can identify with God, not through the flesh, but through the spirit, through the mind. Let this mind, Paul wrote to the Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what mind was that? That was the mind of the Godhood that was given through the Holy Spirit that we have compiled for us in the book that we call the Bible. And so as we imbibe the Word of God into our minds, we become more spiritual. That's what it means to be spiritual. Spirituality is not a manipulation of external uh, variables, dimming the lights, singing a song that is perhaps uh, more peppy or, or a toe-tapping song or, or, or things like that. That doesn't make one more spiritual. One could be in a great cathedral of our day or could be in prison like Paul and Silas and still be spiritual. How am I spiritual? Well, I make the mind of the spirit my mind. That's what makes me a spiritual person. What makes me godly? I become like God. What makes you a Christian? You become like Christ, a follower of Christ. So whether being godly or a Christian or spiritual, it all comes the same way. It comes through the mind of that God family, the three-in-one, who we have been created in his image as three-in-one beings. And so we want our spirit to relate to God's Holy Spirit. Now, why do you say the things that you do? Why do you think the way that you think? Because there is an inner struggle going on inside of each of us. And you know what the Bible calls that spiritual battle? And mark it down, it is a spiritual battle. It's not a battle that's going to be fought on this earth physically after the Lord comes back. Yes, you've heard of the Battle of Armageddon. Well, that battle depicts the battle, the struggle that goes on within each and every one of us. It's the struggle between good and evil. And you and I sometimes don't think or we don't act 
according to the mind of the spirit. And sometimes we're tempted to do things that we should not do. That, that is what sin is. Remember when uh, Jesus came back from praying in the garden before he was going to be crucified. He came back and he saw his apostles and what were they doing? Do you remember? They were fast asleep. And Jesus said, could you not watch with me? Could you not wait on me for one hour? And it's in this context that Jesus said, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That second part of us, that spirit, that mind is willing. We know what we should do, and we want to do those things. We're pleasing to God. But even as we're walking in the light, we are living our lives as faithful Christians. Sometimes the flesh gets the best of us. And what Jesus said is true. Sometimes uh, the mind or the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, and we lose a battle in that uh, great Armageddon uh, conflict. Well, we know at the end of time who wins that war, that battle. The Lord and his forces are going to win, and so that's why it's important that we might lose a battle from, from time to time, but we don't go AWOL. We don't leave the fight. We still walk in the light, and we still, to the very best of our ability, obey our commander. And we do that, and we make sure that the spirit overcomes the flesh. Well, here it is. The devil, Satan, relates to us primarily through the flesh, doesn't he? He did that with Mother Eve in the very beginning. Do you remember when, he, uh, uh, when they were there in, in the middle of the garden? Uh, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and such an interesting name for that tree. Uh, so much could be said about that, but we don't have time to necessarily get into all those uh, reasons. But the Lord told them, as you recall, don't eat of that tree. In the day that you eat of it, you are surely going to die. Well, here comes Satan, and he, he takes God's truth, and he manipulates it, and he is saying to, to Eve, and, and no doubt the message gets to Adam, look at this, look at this fruit. Look what it can do for you. It can make you as wise, uh, wise as God. It was pleasing, no doubt, to the, to the sight. It would, Satan was presenting it, no doubt, as pleasing to the taste. But notice what Satan's doing. It looks good. It sounds good. It feels good. It smells good. And doesn't he relate to us the same way today? He relates to us through the five senses. But as spiritual people, as followers of Christ and followers of the mind of Christ, the mind of the spirit, we want to overcome that fleshly weakness. We want to mortify, as our text said here tonight, the deeds of the flesh. And so sometimes when I do things that I know I shouldn't do, then that is because, as made in the image of God with body, soul, and spirit, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, being made in, in the image, the three-in-one, I have a body or I have the flesh that is susceptible to weakness. And so through the help of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, 
to the degree that I can have the Holy Spirit indwell me, not in a physical way, because when we talk about uh, an, an indwelling being physical, in, in the New Testament, when one entity indwelt another entity, demon possession, it was miraculous to have that entity in a body. It also took a miracle to extract it. And that's one reason why we don't have demon possession today, as, as the New Testament relates those demons. Uh, I know from time to time we hear people say this person has a demon, and, and sometimes you know, they may perhaps even mean in a figurative way. But when we talk about one entity indwelling another entity, as in the New Testament, it would take a miracle to rectify that situation. Well, today, Satan, through different physical means, allures us, tempts us, tries us, and we, with the help of the Spirit, need to overcome. So we want our spirit to bear witness with what the Holy Spirit wants, not what Satan wants. So Satan relates to us primarily through the flesh. God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's interesting how the Bible would indicate to us that all three persons of that Godhood dwell within us through the Word of God. God relates to us that way. And so here you have these two sides vying for the third part of us. And that's the soul. And whoever we allow to win the Armageddon, the war of our life, that's who gets our soul for eternity. If it's the Lord through the Holy Spirit, then we go to heaven. If it's Satan through physical means that, uh, that appeal to the flesh, then Satan gets our soul for eternity. But we choose that. The Lord has limited the power of Satan, and Satan doesn't make us do anything. We decide who we follow. We decide what we're going to put into our minds and allow to stay there to develop our real being. Because as we know, at the end of time, the body is going to turn back to dust. It's going back to the earth, with the earth. It is carnal. Uh, it is physical. Nothing physical can be an eternity. That's why, that's why the Bible teaches us in, in the first Corinthian letter, chapter 15, that uh, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we have to take on bodies that can inhabit heaven or hell. And so that's why our physical bodies, after being raised, will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But where we spend eternity and where that part of us will go uh, will depend upon the choices that we make in this life. Now, I am, I am keenly aware of the fact that many times the word soul and spirit are used interchangeably in Scripture. There's no doubt about that. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tell us that uh, the Word of God is, is uh, living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder, uh, asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But notice it takes a thin, sharp cut of the word of God to be able to discern between the soul and the spirit. They are very similar. But yet, 
there can be a distinction made in the two. And I believe the distinction that we're making tonight is that biblical distinction. Uh, yes, we will be very aware of our uh, surroundings and, and where we are in eternity. That is something that does not change when we go into eternity. The, the body does. The body does. Flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The, the body will change. And that's why it's so important to uh, repent now. Because there's nowhere in scripture that says, like our bodies change when the Lord comes back, that our minds will change. So it's the mind or the spirit, if you will, that we have when the Lord comes back is going to determine where that spirit or soul goes for eternity. And when we think, think of, a, think of three circles, one outer circle with five compartments put the five senses in that, on that circle, in those five compartments. That's the first part of us. That's the flesh. In the inner circle, uh, inside that, that bigger circle, make three compartments, and it's our spirit. And comprising the spirit we see is the mind and the will and the emotions. Now, when we think of the animal world, uh, animals are like us in the fact that they have flesh. And some would even argue that to a degree they have a spirit because they have a mind, as immature as that may be. Uh, they have a will, uh, and they have emotions. Uh, I mean, if you see the king of the jungle, if you see a lion uh, getting excited when it's time to pounce on the prey or to have his next meal, you see his will, and you hear the roar, you, you see the effects of his emotions. And he has a mind to some degree, but what separates the animal from the man is that eternal soul. And that's why it's important to make sure that our minds are thinking the way that they should, according to the Spirit, so the soul will be ready to be accepted by God in that final day. Because unlike animals, you and I live forever in one of two places. Um, so when we think of the triune nature of God, we want to think also of the triune nature or the three-in-one nature of man, body, soul, and spirit. And when we draw that last inner circle, the soul, it many times in scripture is closely related to the conscience. Now, the conscience is also a part of the mind. And here is where the spirit and the soul are very closely related. We sometimes sing a song about our youth. How shall the young secure their hearts, and watch this, and keep their conscience clean? Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, at least four times in both letters to Timothy, talked about the necessity of the conscience, serving God and loving God with a pure conscience. Yes, closely related to the spirit and the soul, the mind, will, and the motions of the spirit and the conscience of the soul. There is a consciousness in eternity when we reach, when we reach eternity. When we think of the conscience, remember what uh, Peter said, 
as he wrote in first peter chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 when he was comparing the salvation of noah and his family and how they were separated uh from a sinful world peter said by water and then he said the antitype or the like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us not the putting away of the not not the washing or the clearing of the flesh uh, uh, of the flesh but it's the answer watch this of a good conscience just as baptism cleanses the soul peter says in comparison that that is the answer of a good conscience it makes the soul purified it makes it good in the sight of god and so when we look at these correlations many times we see where there is a, a slight separation between the spirit and the soul and so what we want to bid men and women uh yes beg them to do today is to be right with god to make their heart right and, and there's another word in scripture that is correlated with the spirit when you see the word spirit when you see the word uh mind or you see the word heart we need to think of uh, of the mind as a man thinks in his heart well not with the blood pump where do we do our thinking we think with the mind we think with the spirit we think with the heart you see loving god with one's whole heart means to love god with one's whole mind and that ha is how he becomes spiritual and that is how one pleases god when jesus spoke in matthew chapter 22 of loving god with our whole heart our whole soul mind strength you see he's talking about the whole of man he's talking about those those different components of man and to love one's neighbor as himself well i'm to love my neighbor i'm to love people not because of what they look like sound like uh feel like smell like that's not why we love people that's not how we love people that's how this is how we can love unlovable people when we decide in our mind because we love god that we're going to love people we're going to love souls and you know it, it, it's it's interesting when when the bible talks about loving something you know it, at least in the positive way it's not meaning loving cars and loving sports and loving clothes and and loving those kinds of things we we we, we accommodatively say that we love those things but we prefer those things we like those things but we love god we love truth we love souls that's that's how bible how the bible talks about love and and who we're to love and what we're to love well we do that with the mind and so uh you know if we can love like this it takes care of a lot of problems in christianity because a lot of times we love people who are like us who look like us who enjoy our same interests but it's interesting uh when, when jesus talked about loving people and um and caring for them he he spoke about preparing a meal inviting those who necessarily can't invite you back you know th there's a reason why he's telling us to love like that because it's not of a physical nature that that love is to be is to be given you know a lot of times we think about 
uh, loving acts. We call them loving acts. They should be outgrowths of love, but they're not always love themselves. You know, when you shake hands with somebody, can you always guarantee that when two people shake hands that there's genuine love there? <laughs> you know you can't. What about a kiss? You know, we, uh, what about that kiss that, uh, that Judas gave our Lord? Did Judas love our Lord? He gave him a kiss. Th this idea of making love, love is made in the mind. It's not made with a body part. Now, if the, if the mind is right, there can be the, the things that we do, a pat on the back, a hug, a, a handshake, a kiss. Those can be outgrowths of love, but those, that's not love because people are doing those kinds of things all the time. They don't love each other more than a man on the moon in many cases. So this is what we have to develop. We have to develop that second part of our being, our spirit, our heart, our mind, in order to be right with God. And so sometimes in order to be spiritual, we do those things that necessarily don't please the flesh. You know, I'm sure that there have been many mornings when, uh, you know, many of us just don't feel like getting out of bed. Sometimes the flesh is weak, but the spirit, hopefully more times than not, overrides the feeling of the flesh, and we do what the spirit has been trained to do. And that's why we have to have the senses of our minds, of our spirits, exercised according to the word of God in order for the flesh to behave correctly and to live as God would have us live. And so when we think about these things, we want to think about then, how do I, how do I become a Christian? What is the mindset that one must have in order to become a Christian? Well, guided by the word of God, then I know that I don't accept God based upon feelings or based upon uh, how I think I should be saved. And you know, it's interesting when you talk about uh, the plan of salvation in the word of God, you know, it is very clear and it's very consistent. Have you noticed that? But in the religious world, there's so much uh, uh, difference and disagreement, even on the most fundamental a question of what must I do to be saved? Uh, you know, when, when the Bible uh, gives examples of conversion in the book of Acts, you know, it, it, it's the clarity that those examples are given uh, is amazing. When we, when we come to Christ, we have to come with the right mind. We have to come with a desire to love him and to, to change our minds, that's, that's the idea of repentance, and to have his mind within us. When we do and realize what he's done for us, then we love him. And we want to change our mind. We want to repent based upon that faith, that, that, that faith that's, 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 that's absolute knowledge of the word of God. That's what Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1 tells us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction, the, the assurance of things that we don't see. As we said earlier, we don't see God with the literal eye. We don't hear him with our voice as you're hearing my voice tonight. We, God doesn't relate to us that way. He relates through our mind, through our spirit. So we must come to him through our minds, and we must resolve to change our minds to live for him. We confess our faith in him, and then, as Jesus told Nicodemus, listen, you can't inherit the kingdom of God unless you're born again. 
and he tells us, he defines what being born again is. Being born of the water and of the spirit. There's our word again, the spirit. Being born of baptism, the water, and according to the spirit's mind. Water and the spirit. One baptism, two elements. And you know what's interesting about that text in John chapter 3? You notice in your red letter editions, those words are in red. And if you follow clear down to John chapter 3 and verse 16, he's still, Jesus is still in that same conversation with Nicodemus. And you know what Jesus said in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, how do I believe in him? Well, just what he told Nicodemus in the beginning of that same conversation. I must believe that I must be born again of the water and the spirit in order to go to heaven. That's the invitation that we present tonight and that will always be presented by gospel preaching and teaching. Friend, if you're not a member of the Lord's church, you need to be tonight, not a denomination, not a one of them is mentioned in scripture. The sinner's prayer is not mentioned in scripture and we accept the Lord into our heart. Here's that word again. You see the word heart? What do you put beside it? The mind. How do you accept Christ with the mind? As Nicodemus no doubt did when Jesus told him to be born again. Will you be born again tonight? And then we see in Acts chapter 2 where, where 3,000 souls did that. And then they were added to the church automatically by God. Well, which one did he add them to? Well, there was only one there. So when the 3,000 were baptized on Pentecost, which church did they attend next Sunday? When Saul of Tarsus was, uh, was, was, was baptized by, by Ananias in Damascus, by the way, and not on the road uh, to Damascus, but in Damascus, where did he attend worship the next Sunday? Where did they all attend worship the next Sunday? There was only one. And it's not a matter if, if, if I'm a member of that or you're a member of that as far as what we should do. It, it, it's not anybody, it's not any man's church, it's just the Lord's church, and you can be a part of that tonight. Simple. It's a simple plan, but it took man to really mess that whole idea up. And now it's hard to even speak of the church in the New Testament sense of that without people automatically thinking denomination, denomination, denomination. But you don't have to think that way. You can become a simple New Testament Christian tonight. Through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, the Lord will add you to the church, and then you live according to the Spirit. The Spirit of God will dwell in you. The mind of God will dwell in you to the degree that you put, your, that you put His mind through the Word of God into your mind. And you do that not perfectly. No one will do it perfectly, but we do it faithfully. Then we can expect because of the power of the gospel, because of the power of the blood of Christ, we can expect with all of the hope of the world in the New Testament definition of that word hope to be given a home in heaven. And what a great opportunity you have tonight. So um, if you do would like to respond, we, we urge you to do that tonight. And we're so grateful for the, uh, the fact that you were with us tonight and that you engaged our study in the Word of God. Thank you very much.